Another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent here, biz over there as we talk about the 0-1 Iowa Hawkeyes. A disappointing start to the 2020 season. Biz, we talk here today on a day where there is a cancellation in the Big Ten. Nebraska, Wisconsin will not be played. But, you know, we felt just get football back in any form or fashion. I said I didn't care what happened here in the first week. I just wanted to see the Hawkeyes. And then very quickly after the game, uh, my mood turned quickly, as you can imagine. I'm sure I'm not alone in that thought. Yeah, we, we waited 10 months for that, Trent. It was uh, not pretty football all around. Uh, I'm sure if you're a Purdue fan, you could uh, point at a few things where, I mean, people kind of forget that David Bell, for as great of a day he had, he, he dropped a wide-open 80-yard touchdown pass for them, and they turned the ball over in the red zone. And uh, we obviously had our, our – uh, more than our share of mistakes, more than you usually see out of a Kirk Ferentz coach team, as you'll see here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, it was, I agree, it was frustrating, but it was still Iowa football, and, and I actually bounced back from it quicker than I usually do, and, and I think that's because, uh, you know, even though it wasn't pretty, there's some talent there, Trent. There's some things to work with going forward. There is. It was not one of the, the games that you look back upon and – just frustrating. I think I was the better team, uh, seeing some analytical numbers. Uh, Bill Connolly of ESPN, a game that played out in that fashion, Iowa would win 82% of the time. Well, we're talking about the 18% of the time that they didn't. There's still pieces there. I still think this is a talented enough team. I've seen some doom and gloom out there, especially after the game, which normally happens after every loss that somebody mentioned, oh, this looks like looks like Hayden's last team. Slow down. Biz, we were in the student section for those games. This has nothing resembling Hayden's last team out there. This team is a lot more talented than that. It's just a loss. And the frustration that is out there, but overall, I'm still confident this is going to be a pretty good football team by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not a complete team. There's plenty of uh, question marks um, across the board with this team, but there's also plenty of talent. I mean, there's... You know, we put up, uh, what, almost 500 yards total offense. And, and we, we, we talked about it last week, Trent. When you do those types of things, you got to score more than 20 points. You, you're just not going to win. <laughs> you're not going to win consistently unless you can put up at least 28-plus in, in college football these days. And for whatever reason, we really struggled to get to that magical 28 or more mark. And we, we, you know, we've got the talent to do it, but we've got to uh, – Got to piece together enough, uh, you know, limit the mistakes and uh, finish drives and, and, you know, just stupid things. You, know, you and I, for years, have complained about clock management. What the hell was that at the end of this factor? Hideous. Absolutely. There is, there's not an explanation for it. That's how bad it was. At least sometimes you can talk yourself in circles and come up with a way and a justification behind it. Here, there is no justification. That's stupid football and stupid well, coaching. You, yeah, I mean, you have, you have two options. The options are use your last time out with 14 seconds left and you come out and throw, you know, probably two throws to the end zone. Or sprint up there and spike it with probably 11 or 12 seconds left and you have a, a minimum of one, maybe two plays and a timeout. So, I mean, those are your only two options. I mean, it's, 
there isn't a third option. Yet magically we chose option three, which is uh, wait four seconds and then do a, uh, a stretch run. Don't get it. Don't get it at all. And oh boy, that that just uh, got the blood pressure raising again. Just thinking about that, and uh, here we are. Two fumbles, one inside the red zone, the other one as they were approaching the red zone. There was a lot made about Tyler Goodson not touching the football in the fourth quarter. I think part of that was dictated, dictated, excuse me, just how the game was going at that point. And and the drive where Sargent was fumbling, they were moving the football right up the field. They were looking great that drive. I have no problem with Sargent being in the game when they're running the football that effectively, and he's looking as powerful as he was until the ball popped loose. Biz, do you have a huge issue with Goodson? It's a concern. It's something I, I think you need to get the ball in your best offensive guy's hands, certainly, but I think maybe some, somewhat overblown overall some of the conversation about that. Yeah, I don't really have concern with that. I thought Sargent ran the ball just as well as, as Goodson did. I mean, Goodson's a little more shifty, but I think at times Sargent hits the hole harder than, than Goodson does also. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, Trent, if, if I think you and I both agree, if, if Sargent holds on to that ball and goes down at the over 20, 25-yard line, mm-hmm. we were in position to put that game away. Yep. And so, I mean, we just shot ourselves in the foot way, way too many times. And I, I have no problem with the offensive game plan. The, the only issue I had at all with the offensive game plan is I thought we came out too aggressive as far as, you know, trying to throw the ball too much early on. I, I, I did not like that we put the game on uh, – on Petrus's shoulders, those first two drives, and I don't know why we did it. To be honest with you, and he obviously came out nervous, and and we kind of wasted our first two drives entirely by throwing the ball five out of six times. So, other than that, I, I thought I thought Brian called a pretty darn good game. I thought we were pretty creative. I thought uh, we had every opportunity to win the game, and we just didn't. Yeah, special teams was a positive, that's for sure. Uh, Tory Taylor in his debut, his first college football game he ever saw which is uh, just wild to think about, but but that's the reality of that one. That was a positive. Of course, the kicking game does its thing. Kick return, not great, but I would maybe found a punt returner here. And Charlie Jones, a guy that will go up and actually catch the ball when it's short. That's nice. Yeah, he was aggressive, and it changed me to say that it took me to the second half to realize it was Charlie Jones and not Max Cooper. I was still uh, stuck on it being Cooper until he uh, – caught the one and returned to, what, 20, 25 yards. But, uh, yeah, he, he seems to be comfortable back there. He seems to be more than just a, a placeholder. He seems to be pretty aggressive and wants to actually come up and get the ball and, and make a play with it. So, yeah, again, there's positives, but let, let's let's start with the negatives, Trent. I gave Statboy the assignment. Um, you, know, you and I talked about last week, and I, and I really thought the reason I would win is I – just thought we would be a fundamentally sound team in week one and not make a lot of mistakes. And obviously I was way off on that because we were uh, extremely unfundamentally sound when it came to penalties and turnovers. And so I asked that boy, how rare is it for a Kirk Ferentz team to uh, be as bad as we were from a penalty and standpoint, a penalty and turnover standpoint. So how many times Trent in, in the Kirk Ferentz era have we had games with 10 penalties and multiple turnovers? And multiple turnovers. Oh, there's a caveat thrown in there. Because so I believe... 10 penalties and two or plus turnovers, and this is over the entire 21-plus years of, of the Ferentz uh, 
Because I think I saw the number uh, either Sunday or maybe Monday as I was getting ready for my radio show about that it's happened eight times, the double digits in both penalties and 100 yards in penalties in a game. I think that was eight. So you throw the turnovers in there, I'm going to say five times. Uh, you're, you're, you're right in the middle. Of, you're, you're close. It's seven times total. Okay. It's the seventh time in the Ferentz era that we've had 100-plus yards in, or 10-plus penalties and multiple turnovers. But the amazing thing, Trent, this is only the second time in 17 years that it's happened, and the first time that it's happened in a Big Ten game hmm. in 17 years. So you got to go all the way back to 2003 for us to be that sloppy of a game. So, uh, you know, in some ways maybe you throw it out the window a little bit and say it was an aberration, and, you know, obviously <laughs> it's the weirdest run up to a season ever and, and hopefully we, we clean some of those things up but before we before we do that Trent let's let's hop in the stat boy time machine you, you want to talk about the seven times that we uh, shot ourselves in the foot in the past yeah let's see if uh, these game any of these games start to ring in the memory bank here and uh, again probably gonna br- build up the blood pressure a little bit thinking back at some of these games here we go yeah and it's, it's interesting because We've only won one of them, um, and that was the only non-conference game. We beat your your uh, your alumni, the the, uh, go, the Fighting Panthers of you and I, uh-huh. in 2018, and we had uh, uh, 10 plus penalties and, and three turnovers in that game. So the other six times are all, or I guess five of them are in the Big Ten, and one was a bowl game, and all six of them resulted in losses. So. Um, the first three times it happened, Trent, actually happened in a four-week stretch. It happened three times in four weeks back in 2001, and it makes you realize just how uh, just how close that team was to being a really, really good football team. Because if you remember, 2001 was the year that Ferris kind of turned the corner. We mm-hmm. went 6-5. Uh, and five. We, we won a bowl game. It, Everybody looks back at that year as kind of a, a positive and a turning point, but man, we were close to being a eight, nine, or even ten win team. Because you look at it, October thirteenth at Michigan State, we uh, shoot ourselves in the foot and lose by six. Two weeks later, October twenty seventh versus Michigan, we shoot ourselves in the foot again. Oh, Marquise Walker. Next, yep, and then the next week, March. Third, 2001, we shoot ourselves in the foot at Wisconsin again. All of them were less than a touchdown games. Um, and when you look at the the box scores for that game, you remember that was kind of the uh, the initial transition where do we play McCann? Do we try Banks? Do we try both of them? And that stretch was kind of the uh, you know the old rule definitely felt true for that month. But if you have two quarterbacks, you really don't have any. Because uh, neither McCann or Banks played well in those three games. All winnable games, frustrating games for different different avenues. And the other thing about the 2001 team, you know, people talk a lot about the quarterback spot. Quarterback really wasn't, well, offense wasn't the problem. They scored a lot of points that year. It was the defense, frankly, was not very good throughout a big chunk of that season. Yeah, I mean, all three of those games were high scoring. Um, they were all upper 20s into the 30s, and uh yeah, the defense was still a uh, work in progress mm-hmm. at that point. In fact, uh, Statboy sent me the, the starters for that team. Um, and the defense, there's some names in there, but they were some young names. You've got, you know, a, a young Bob Sanders, 
the defensive line, you've got Campman that was still there. Uh, but then you got uh, a young Colin Cole. You've got uh, Pickens on the line. Uh, you've got R.J. Meyer as a starter. You've got Matt Stockdale as a starter. Uh, you know, so there's some uh, a young Derek Pagel starting late in that year, very young. Uh, you know, so there's some inexperience still in that defense. But you know, it was kind of like I said, the, the switching over. Because if you look at it, the first game, October 13, McCann played the whole game. Uh, did not play well, had four picks. And by November in Wisconsin, uh, Banks was playing the majority of the game, and he did not play well either. He was 11 for 23 with both a pick and a fumble. So uh, I think people kind of remember that year and and pretend that if Banks would have played more, we'd have won more games. Brad Banks in 2001 was not the Brad Banks that we remember in 2002. Though he wore number seven, he did not play defense even as people mess that up with Jameer Roberts out there a bunch of the time during that era. And defense was more of an issue. But still, at that time in those losses, one thing that I always remembered, and of course we're coming off the, the year of Stoops when he wins the national championship with Oklahoma, and there was continued murmurs, frustrations, and during those close losses, boy, does Iowa have the right guy here. And maybe he can get them back to respectability. 2002 was an important year. An important year just for, I, I think, the fan base as a whole. Without that season, even if it was a nice season and, and built a couple more on there, I don't think we're still talking about Kirk Ferentz as the Iowa football coach, even if he had some success. Yeah, well, and you remember that 2001 year was probably, until this year, the strangest year there was as far as scheduling because 9-11 happened early in the year, and we played Iowa State at the end of the year. And if you remember, that was the, uh, the Grant Steen fumble game where we uh, – we're down 14 nothing. came back and tied it up, and Grant Steen had the, uh, the pick and was running in Iowa State territory, and uh, one of their dorky little white receivers came from behind and stripped him of the ball, and Iowa State got the ball back and drove down to, to, win, to win the game with a field goal. So, uh, yeah, there, there were some frustrating moments about that year, but, again, 2002 erased most of those moments. But the fourth game, the fourth time this happened, was actually the very end of that 2002 year, it was the uh, the Orange Bowl debacle. Huh. Uh, if you remember, 13 penalties against Ooh. USC in the Orange Bowl. So, uh, and not good. So, but uh, so, so that's the fourth. You've got the three games in 2001. You've got the Orange Bowl debacle, which everybody remembers, and we don't, we don't want to go down that road. Uh-huh. Uh, but then the, the fifth one was the next year, 2003. Um, Early in the year, we go to Michigan State and couldn't get out of our own way um, in that game. And that was a game where we had just come off. We had destroyed Arizona State the week before, um, 21-2. and We had an amazing defense. And we, we held Michigan State to under 250 yards offense. But uh, uh, the offense couldn't get out of the way, and we blew that game. So that game, September 27, 2003, was the last time we shot ourselves in the foot that many times until last Saturday. Wasn't that the Brian Ferentz snapping the ball crappy game too? Yeah. 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 He, yeah. he, he struggled. It was an all around uh, forgettable game. But the, yeah, the last time, except, except for the United game, does 18 years, the last big 10 game in over 17 years. So I guess uh, we'll just assume that that was an aberration and mm-hmm. expect uh Good, clean football come this Saturday. Yeah, the other uh, team has scholarships, too. They're out there trying also. And uh, those types of games, normally you can iron it out, and you can get away maybe with a little bit more stuff in the opening game against Miami of Ohio, against Ball State. 
against a Big Ten team? Not so much. So it is a developmental program, and maybe that's a positive way to look at it. But it's got to change in a hurry, and it's got to change this week with Northwestern. You mentioned uh, some negatives, and certainly negatives there. Any other positives that jumped out to you? And thanks, uh, as always, to Stat Boy for all the great information. Anything uh, else you wanted to touch on on the positive side of the ledger? I think the running game in general, I mean, that's as good as I've seen our running game look from uh, beginning to end in quite a while. Um, you know, there was, you know, we'll be average just five, six yards to carry and almost had 200 yards rushing. Um, and, you know, I really like the, I think the Wildcat wrinkle is a great idea. I think we tried some different things in short yardage that what we've done in the past. Um, I think we finally realized we can't just line up with a fullback and multiple tight ends on third and one and expect things to go well. So I, I like that. And, and I, I, I thought Spencer Petras did more good things than bad on, on Saturday as well. It wasn't pretty at times. He, he started poorly and ended poorly. But, uh, you know, I think he's got really good mechanics. He's got a good arm. He seemed to be, you know, decent composure and, you know, I don't know. I, I think he's got the skill set to be a pretty darn good quarterback. I, I liked uh, seeing the back back in there. Potabom, I know Tyrone Tracy want to find a way to get him involved a little bit more. I think he played 22 snaps, I think the number was, if I remember correctly. But he went out there, and that dude was chucking things. And you don't want it to be, I don't think, a complete part of your offense. But I would be able to go to the old method of, of ground and pound with the fullback in there. And a fullback that... I really enjoyed uh, watching him play. I think he's got a lot of potential still in him. I was happy to see that because there's times that I was used the fullback the last couple of years when maybe they shouldn't have been using a fullback. I think Potterbaum's got a future there. Plus, I don't know if you've seen his photograph without a helmet trip. He's got a, he's got a glorious set of hair on. Oh, really? Yeah, it's kind of a, a half mullet, half afro thing going. It's pretty sharp. <laughs> nice. All right. We'll have to it's check something out. Something you should try. I, I don't think I can pull that look off. Eh, not not anymore. How about Smith Marset? A uh, couple of carries, not great in the kick return game. He can blame the blocking, and he certainly did. He was jawing a whole lot. That's what Amir Smith Marset does. But jawing at the quarterback, the officials, maybe the coaching staff, his blockers. He was all over the place, and he dropped a couple of balls. Amir, do your job. Maybe then you can start flapping your gums. Didn't like the look out there of that. I think he's a guy that. I think the excitement probably got to him a little bit. I think he just gets a little too hyped up. And, you know, I love Amir Smith-Marset. But, yeah, not a good game for him mm-hmm. across the board. He just he did not help the team out. But, uh, you know, he's done enough good things over the years. I'll, I'll give him a pass. And, you know, I think they'll find a way to get him heavily involved this week. And, you know, he – I was surprised. Like, you mentioned – Tyrone Tracy, I mean, a few plays. I mean, Mirsmith's set was out there for over 60 plays, I think. I saw yeah. I mean, him and Brandon Smith were out there for, for quite a few plays. I mean, to be out there for 60 plays and not have a single catch, and you're targeted five or six times, that's uh, not good. No, not at all. I'm with you on Petrus. I'm fine there. But I think the biggest concern and long-term concern with this team for me is pressure from the defensive line. Davion Nixon is a very good player. Chauncey Golson's a good player, though he's not your prototypical off-the-edge speed guy that's going to get to the quarterback. Generating a pass rush and being able to do it without bringing linebackers and guys from the defensive backfield, I just don't see it with this group. And that is different here. And now with Schulte, looks like he's going to be, again, 
out this week, not only getting the quarterback, but also the depth of the defensive line. Iowa's got to be good up front, usually to be a pretty good team. I'm not sure they are on the defensive side. Well, I think those, those little minor injuries, you know, the Campbell having mono and Schulte being out, and even Seth Benson being out, I think that really hurt us in the end because I thought the defense actually played pretty darn well for three quarters, and then they just kind of ran out of gas. I mean, were they great? Definitely not. But I, mean, I thought they, they got some pressure from time to time, and I, and I thought they, uh, you know, they forced, I think, at one point they forced five three and outs out of like seven possessions out of Purdue, and then – Unfortunately, the fourth quarter came, and I think we were we were gassed, which you know is understandable when you haven't played a lot of uh, actual real football and it's been a lot of scrimmaging and things like that. So, uh, hopefully, it sounds like Benson might be back this week, and you know, that'll help because I think uh, the linebackers are about as thin as you can ever remember. Yeah, that that is very true, and a good thing that they're running that cash without that be a lot of concerns. Down four linebackers, that's where Iowa is. Anything else as we start to turn our attention forward to this upcoming week? No, I, I just, in general, I'd say Trent, I, as the weeks went on, I think I lean towards there's more positives of this team than negatives. I just, you know, there's been years after the first game, you look at Iowa and be like, how are we going to put up points? Or, you know, it's just, you know, offense has been such a struggle for, for some years, but I, I just don't think that's going to be the problem this year. I think as long as we can clean up some of the, some of the mistakes, and you look at the schedule. I mean, you look at we play Northwestern, and then I think we play five straight teams that lost. So, you know, it's there aren't there aren't exactly a lot of world beaters in our schedule right now until until you get to Wisconsin at the end, and, and they may be. Uh, we'll see, I guess, what happens with them, <laughs> yeah. what's going on right now. But that, I don't. Know, you look at that schedule. I, I think there's some opportunities to put up some points and, and win some football games over the next two weeks. I think so. Yeah, chance to get right. Certainly the Michigan State game appears to be a lot different. And even though we both mentioned we liked Iowa's chances in that one and the point spread that was uh, released before the season, that certainly is one you put out there. Northwestern this week, and they finally have a quarterback again, and it's going to be Northwestern. And Fitz, you know, that group's going to be ready to play when they come into Kinnick Saturday. Yeah, I guess we'll find out pretty quickly. Is this a, a good Northwestern team, or did they just play a god-awful Maryland yeah. team? Because Northwestern never beats anybody by 40. I mean, that's, <laughs> right. I mean, Iowa rarely does, but Northwestern never does. I mean, not, not even non-conference teams. I mean, usually fits, you know, struggles early in the year, and they usually are, are battling it out against the, you know, the Nevadas of the world. Uh, so it's, it's not – like I think this is just my gut feeling after watching a little bit of that game is that it's more a bad Maryland team than it is a good Northwestern team. I still think they're a three and nine team, and they had I think they had half a dozen people opt out, and they're really young in some areas. So I, I don't know. I feel I feel pretty good about this game in general, but I'm not sure why I do because I know in the past we've we've talked about it. Fit certainly seems to have Iowa's numbers, so why? Why I feel good about it, I don't know. I'm right there with you. Time for our picks. Folks, when you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. Why didn't you say that before? <laughs> All right, here okay. we go, Biz. And uh, yeah, 52% last couple of seasons, we would have taken 52% compared to what we did. Here we go. Game one, Iowa Northwestern. The number currently is two and a half. And I'm going to jump aboard and be the homer again this week. Lay the two and a half. 
I think they're more talented. I'm not believing in what I saw last week against Maryland here. I think it'll be a decently tight game again, but at two and a half under the field goal, like that number, and I'm going to lay it again with the Hawkeyes this week. Well, it's our first official kiss of death of the year, oh, Chris. No. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, for the reasons I said before, I, I think it's more bad Maryland than good Northwestern. I, I just don't think they're that great of a team. Plus, I think there's the, the urgency factor of, you know, we're going to come out ready to play after that loss. I, I think that, that we're going to be a focused, uh, much better team, or at least that's what I keep telling myself. So, Kiss to death. We both like the Hawks, minus two and a half. Wisconsin-Nebraska is canceled for the week. There is no point spread currently on Indiana Rutgers, at least where I'm looking. So that's kind of dwindling down the games that we can pick. That's what I'm going to do for my Big Ten pick this week. I'm going to go to the well with Penn State. They statistically dominated that football game. If the running back just falls down at the one-yard line, they win the football game against Indiana. They played so well in the past, and I know – there's not going to be 110,000 people in white screaming at that football game for Penn State, but they played well in this game in the past. Franklin has been able, at the very least, to keep it close and has pulled upsets against Ohio State. I'll grab the 11 and a half. Give me Penn State for my Big Ten game of the week. My, my game of the week for Big Ten is that same game. But give me the over again. Mm-hmm. I think it's at 63 last time I saw it. And same reasons I said last week. I think Ohio State is a team that, they're going to put up a ton of points. They're always going to keep the uh, pedal to the metal, as you saw last week. They uh, scored a meaningless touchdown in the last minute for the over to cover. Um, but on the flip side, I think Penn State's going to put up some points as well. I, I think this will be another high-scoring game. Um, I think every Ohio State game, they're going to put up probably 50-plus. So if Penn State can uh, just get 20, then you, you've got the cover over. So give me – over 63 in the uh, Ohio State, Penn State. And now our lock of the week. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is Cincinnati by 200 points. Why, you worthless hunk of junk. What do you think of the uh, new sound clips we got here, Biz? Did you put Rick in charge of our... Uh... <laughs> Our sound. Oh you man! Need to, you need to find the Simpsons one where it just, it's the, the lock of the week. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, that's, a, that's a big lock. That is a big lock, and uh, yeah, we could get that one ready to go next week. I'm gonna go with the Big Twelve, my favorite game of the weekend. The wrong team's favored. Texas at Oklahoma State. I think Texas wins this game outright. I was not impressed by Oklahoma State last week against Iowa State, even in a victory. I'll grab the three and a half for our purposes here. Texas plus three in the hook in Stillwater. Yeah, that, that line certainly seems a little fishy. It seems like it should probably be, you know, you got a top 10 team at home versus a uh, non-ranked team. It seems like it should be higher than that. But uh, <laughs> I, I hope you're wrong. I, I really enjoy watching Texas uh, play. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that line, that line seems to stink a little bit. So my lock of the week, Trent, it, it goes out to one of our, uh, our, Loyal listeners, Arkansas Alley. I'm I'm hopping on the train with uh, Big Suey. They they are a, a legitimately decent football team. Um, they're playing their rival this week. I don't think Texas A&M is is all that great, um, and, and I think Arkansas can stay within 12 and a half. So uh, give me the Hogs plus 12 and a half against Texas A&M. And the Sam Pittman story, uh, pretty incredible. 
with this guy, what he was just as a coach, a guy that was coaching high school, the way he grew himself into what he became here. And a lot of people kind of laughed at the hire when it was made last year. Tip of the ball cap to that dude. Uh, grinding through junior college and high school football as a coach and finally getting his gig here at Arkansas and doing a nice job there. Like that pick with the Razorbacks, Woo Pig Suey. And I'll probably be playing that with you uh, coming up this weekend. Would you uh, have the number that for that one, Biz? 12 and a half. 12 when you say half. grew himself, I thought you were going to go in another direction there, Trent. Sam is not what you'd call a... Uh... <laughs> physically fit individual he's a big fella he's a large man uh the the large guys like to stick together biz you're one and two on the year i am two and one and we are both on the hawks this week something to keep an eye on well that are our picks for the week before we get out of here one more thing by saying something to keep an eye on i assume you need to fade the hell out of it right exactly i i think all our listeners know exactly what to do let's finish up with this biz hey kids Gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day. Well, Trent, business beat of the day is, is the shortest one of all time. It's one word, Trent. Vote. That's it. By the time we, uh, by the time we talk again next week, there will be uh, hopefully a decision or a, we will know who will be the president in the next four years. And so uh, everybody go out and vote. I hope you're right. I hope we uh, have that. And I hope that, uh, well, we do not have a toddler in the White House uh, saying that he's not going to leave. But I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. You're exactly right. Vote. Get out there. Get your sticker. And exercise your right. Well said, Biz. We will do it again next week, and hopefully we'll have a Hawkeye victory to talk about. Real quick, Trent, what are the uh, condom children dressing as for Halloween? Oh, good question. Uh, we have Cruella DeVille and a Dalmatian puppy. That's where Ellen Jack are going this year. I did not pick out the costumes. That one came from Tara, but, yeah, we got little 101 Dalmatian theme for this year. How about how about the Bisgard kids? Bodie, he doesn't dress up anymore, does he? No, he, he's moved on to uh, he, he's, he's going to be in charge of taking Kellen around the neighborhood. Nice. He's excited to do that. Kellen will be dressed as the Mandalorian, which uh, I believe the new season of that comes out this week as well. But uh, he, he loves his Star Wars and loves the Mandalorian. And then our, our daughter is going as, as the devil, and our neighbor's, neighbor and her friend is going as an angel. So they uh, will be going as a combo, combo outfit. Seems about right for the Bisgard clan to go in the devil costume, right? That's exactly right. Actually, if, if, of all of our kids, she's probably the least devilish. <laughs> That's good. Good to yeah, know. I could not talk her into going with green devil. She went with the standard red devil. So, did, did not get Which the pull there. Yeah, it is. It is. You, you have. You have. You probably could have got the mascot. Yeah. Well, I see our green devil uh, squad has a number one ranked team going to state uh, next week. Has that ever happened? I, I'm not sure. <sighs> the volleyball team is uh, number one ranked and. Uh, I think odds on favorite to win state. I mean, I know OCH has won some state titles in the past, but I'm not sure I can ever remember. A, maybe in wrestling there were some times. Right. Yeah, going in there, preseason number one, but certainly not in football. Basketball the year you guys won it. What were you guys that year, the three seed? We were the one seed, actually. Oh, you were the one seed, okay. At state, but we were not the number one ranked team. Right. So a couple teams got upset um, on the way there, and we had – 
because of our schedule with us playing Forest City and Crestville mm-hmm. and a couple other bigger schools, um, our our strength of schedule was, was higher than a few others. So, yeah, we, we were the one seed, but I think we were ranked fourth or fifth going in. Well, what was it, two years ago where Osage was on their way to a volleyball title and then Stat Boy jinxed it by uh, tweeting out, that uh, they had it wrapped up, and of course they collapsed in the fourth set, and then lost in the fifth. So, Stat Boy, stay away from the coverage this week, and and don't jinx a, a championship for the Green Devilettes. His drink, his jinxing, jinxing ability is uh, knows no bounds. He can jinx football, basketball, even volleyball. It's crazy. And the, uh, the man needs to learn to keep his mouth shut in opportune times. And he only he. When he tries to do it, you can tell. You can tell what he's doing. When he doesn't, that's where the problem comes up. But we had the no-hitter for the Twins this year. I knew he screwed it up, telling everybody to get over and uh, and watch Fox Sports North. It's endless. It's crazy. And uh, what he tries to do it, though, it gets even worse. So don't don't try to do that anymore, Stat Boy. Just stay away. Let us enjoy your sports without you having to ruin everything. Well, and I, I watched the Iowa game with him last week, and, and I will mm. give him credit. He, he did not jinx the okay, Iowa history in, in, in any way that, that I can tell, at least. It was maybe it was it internal. Was all, they, they they made their own mistakes on their own. I can't I can't point I can't point the finger at that boy on this one. They're gonna march right up the field and score here. Put it away. Dun, 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 fumble, Mackay Sargent. I, at least that was probably going on in his head. All right, Biz, we got to get out of here. We'll talk again next week. All right, go Hawks.